0: Good morning. We welcome you to WKYT Kentucky Newsmakers. I'm Bill Bryant. We hope you're enjoying your weekend. This morning, a candidate for Kentucky governor and a mayor elect who is making history in the region. Richmond's mayor elect Robert Blythe will be with us in a few minutes. But first, State House Democratic leader Rocky Adkins, now a candidate for governor. He is here along with his running mate, Stephanie Horn, an attorney and member of the Jefferson County Board of Education. Adkins announced this week in Moorhead, where he studied, played basketball, worked over the years, and an area that he has long represented in Frankfort. Adkins, who was elected to the legislature in 1986, is up against Attorney General Andy Beshear and any other candidates who may file for the Democratic nomination. Republican Governor Matt Bevin says he will seek re-election. So campaign 2019 is taking shape, and the Adkins Horn ticket is here with us for Kentucky Newsmakers. Thanks for coming. Appreciate it very much. Thank you, Thank you Bill. It's good to be here. What has been the, the, the reaction to your announcement?
1: first. Well, Bill, it's been very positive. We had a very, very energetic uh, rollout last night in Moorhead, Kentucky. We probably had a thousand people at our rollout last night. The Moorhead Conference Center was full. Uh, I apologize to all those folks who have been messaging me and texting me that I've not got back with all of them yet, but uh, my phone's been blowing up, to be very honest. So um, I spoke at Keiko uh, this morning and uh, the re- uh, response has been really humbling and overwhelming, to be very honest. I'm uh, very encouraged. That's the reason I got in this race, the encouragement I continue to get across Kentucky over the past several months. I've been traveling, helping our candidates across Kentucky. and every place I've gone, I've received tremendous encouragement to get in this race. And last night, we, uh, we made the decision uh, to get in the race. And... Uh, we're in the race and we're in it to win it.
0: This is a first statewide campaign for yes. you, though you hold an office in it, within the legislature <clears throat> that really uh, oversees uh, uh, all of the Democrats in the House. But uh, what is is that daunting to you to, to be running now in all 120 counties?
1: Well, you know, it's a long way from Ashland to Paducah, I will tell you that, and then back to Pikeville. It's a long way. But, uh, you know, I have uh, traveled Kentucky and I know a lot of people across Kentucky. From my time in the Kentucky House of Representatives serving in a lot of different capacities my time as a budget chair of transportation my time as majority leader my time as minority leader uh, and being there working across Kentucky and traveling to different locations it is a, a tremendous challenge but we're looking forward to it it's fun you meet a lot of good people people you've known for a while Uh, But we're looking forward to this campaign. We're going to carry a positive message across Kentucky about the issues that need to be addressed.
0: How was it that you came to choose uh, Stephanie
1: Horn to be your running mate? Well, uh, first of all, we were looking for someone that uh, understands public education, first of all, and also looking for someone that understands the private sector as well stephanie has a very very successful title company working with realtors and other businesses within her uh... job as an attorney but serving on the jefferson county public schools uh, system as a school board member uh... to have her her knowledge in that area of public education her knowledge of financing of public education and you know stephanie's just a good person she's a humbled person she's moderate middle-of-the-road common-sense person so, we were looking for somebody that we believe Kentuckians can relate with, and I think Stephanie Horn is that person.
0: And why did you say yes when you were <laughs> asked to, to make your first statewide campaign as well? Well,
2: I got that same question when I ran for school board. So, it is, it is a task that will be daunting, uh, but I am so passionate about public education and being an advocate for our public schools. That I said when I ran for school board in Jefferson County, there were 100,000 children. Well, there are about 657,000 reasons now why I wanna do this. And running with Rocky Adkins, who I believe will be our next governor. He is a wonderful human being and he is also passionate about what I'm passionate about. I think moms and dads across Kentucky are concerned about the direction of the current governor as it relates to public school education,
0: as you were serving on the Jefferson County Board of Education, there was uh, what many would describe as an attempted takeover right. of the school system by the Department of Education. That did not happen. Uh, were you part of uh, resisting that?
2: Yes, we fought the takeover, and we and we fought it. So um, I I feel like this is the next step to go and come to the state level and try to really work across the aisle. I think that everybody has the dream that we will have good education for their children in Kentucky, and we need to work together. And I think right now, that's not what's happening, but I think there are good people in both parties across Kentucky that want to improve public education.
0: Representative Atkins, you (laughs) have indicated early and often, both before you became an official candidate and during your announcement yesterday, that education at every level will be uh, uh, something that will be a major part of your campaign going forward. Uh, What are we not getting right that you'd like to see corrected?
1: Well, the agenda in Frankfort as we uh, know it today is not right. Uh, The agenda of charter schools is not good for public education in the Commonwealth of Kentucky to remove public education dollars out of the classroom to a private for-profit corporation that would be running a charter school the attempt to privatize public education is wrong i don't think it's the right approach i think it's the wrong approach higher education you've heard me speak on the floor many times about this new funding formula performance-based funding it is bad for all universities as far as i'm concerned but there's some universities that are regional universities Kentucky State, Moorhead State University, Eastern, Moorhead, or Murray, where performance-based funding will not work. When you put all of the funding, especially when there's not been an increase in higher ed funding now for many, many budget cycles, no other state has gone to performance-based funding anywhere in the country without an increase in funding for higher ed. We have taken money out of the base. Of higher education, we put 31 million dollars in each year of the budget for performance-based funding. You saw how that for, uh, funding formula worked at first. Morehead gets zero, K-State gets zero. Many of our community technical colleges in the coal fields of eastern and western Kentucky get zero. We don't need to pit winners and losers in higher education. We need to do everything we can. First of all funding is critical as we move forward in all levels of education. We've got to look at ways that we can make public education really looked at as a, not only a national model, but a model that will compete in a global economy. The Bevan
0: administration has, uh, has come at this from the standpoint of that uh, not everybody goes to college and that workforce development in other ways is, is very important. Uh, do you disagree
1: with that? Uh I don't completely disagree with that. We may have a difference of opinion because when higher education reform was passed back in the 90s under Governor Paul Patton, I think one of the best things that was done there is when we created the Kentucky Community College Technical System. So KCTCS is a very very important component to workforce development. That's the reason it was put in place. The Kentucky Community Technical College System is that system that basically is doing a lot of the workforce development for people to move into other fields, whatever trade it may be. It may be welding, it may be auto mechanics, or it may be nursing, or it may be to get a two-year degree, to go on and get a four-year degree in some kind of nursing program. So workforce development is a very important part of the overall education component. There's no question about that. But we need to let students choose the direction they would like to go with their educational curriculum to be able to achieve whatever it is they want to achieve in life.
0: I heard you uh, describing your running mate as a moderate middle of the road. I think uh, so. Does that describe you and where you want to take um, this campaign?
1: I think that uh, um, I am a moderate, middle of the road, common sense kind of guy. Do you think
0: that is in contrast to your opponent uh, so far in the Democratic primary and to the uh, current governor?
1: Um, I think that as I've traveled Kentucky, here's what I can tell you, is that people have told me, Rocky, we want you to run for governor, and here's why we want you to run. We believe, number one, that you know Kentucky, you understand Kentucky, and you are Kentucky. We believe that you're the person that can pull both parties together. We're, We're the person that you we believe can reach across the aisle and help bring people together to reach compromise. Uh, people want me to run because of my seasoned experience and proven leadership that I have in state government in my time of service. People want me to run because they believe they can connect with me. They believe I am the person, along with Stephanie, that can make state government work for communities across this great Commonwealth. So I think people are looking for just common sense, middle of the road solutions. I think they want common sense, middle of the road policies. And I think they want, to make, they want policies that make sense for their communities across Kentucky. And I can tell you that the policies that have been passed under this agenda with this governor, like charter schools, disrespect for people across Kentucky, I don't think that's the right approach. I don't believe it is good Uh, when we bring an agenda that hurts working families across this great commonwealth, the policies that have been passed that drive down wages of hardworking, everyday Kentuckians, people that grab a hard hat and a dinner bucket and a pair of steel-toed shoes. I don't think that is the agenda that will build the economy. And bring hope and opportunity to all Kentuckians. Let
0: me get in a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment with the candidate for Governor Rocky Adkins, candidate for Lieutenant Governor Stephanie Horn, and later the Mayor elect of Richmond, Robert Blythe, will be with us on Kentucky Newsmakers. WELCOME BACK TO KENTUCKY NEWSMAKERS, WE'RE CONTINUING WITH A NEW DEMOCRATIC TICKET FOR KENTUCKY GOVERNOR AND LIEUTENANT GOVERNOR, REPRESENTATIVE ROCKY ADKINS IS WITH US, HE IS RUNNING FOR GOVERNOR, AND STEPHANIE HORN IS HIS RUNNING MATE, SHE'S RUNNING FOR LIEUTENANT GOVERNOR, ONE THING THAT THE TWO OF YOU SHARE uh, AS A TICKET and, AND IN LIFE IS THAT YOU ARE BOTH CANCER SURVIVORS.
2: THAT'S RIGHT, um, I AM A 14-YEAR BREAST CANCER SURVIVOR AND LOST MY DAD TO PROSTATE CANCER. So. Uh, health care and having health insurance that has, you know, is important. And I, right now there's a big fear, I think, that's been created um, that, that we may, you know, could lose our health care for the, you know, due to the pre-existing conditions. So I think it's something that Rocky and I are just, you know, as a business owner too. I mean, I need to have, you know, affordable, quality health care
0: you spoke to health care in your in your speech you, you seem to be pretty full throated in your support for the the medicaid expansion
1: well there's no question and there's two reasons for that i think that uh, medicaid expansion has really helped bring uh, 400 and some thousand people <coughs> with uh, some type of health insurance that didn't have it before and most of these people are working individuals uh, they are families that work trying to make a living two or three jobs a day and for the first time they've been able to have some type of health insurance. Let me tell you the other reason, Bill. The healthcare industry itself, it employs thousands of people across the Commonwealth of Kentucky, nurses, doctors, and every other health care profession in between. Mm-hmm. The numbers of jobs that have been produced uh, and the only growth that we've seen in many parts of the state in their, in their economy with investments, whether it's been capital construction or more employees put on to go to work, has been in the healthcare industry. And it's been because before these folks, before we went from 19% of our uh, 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 population being not insured to about six or seven uh, uh, not being insured, what that has meant for local, regional hospitals especially. places like eastern western kentucky and other places that have uh, regional hospitals is the number of people who now have health insurance and have a way to pay before that care would come uh, free basically through indigent care that hospitals were having to pay for so it is an economic issue, but it's also a health care issue. I hear you make a, a a lot of plays for what might
0: be the rural Kentucky vote. Is that what a Kentucky Democrat is going to have to do to, to win this
1: election? Well, I think you've got to be able to run in all parts of Kentucky, mm-hmm. to be very honest with you. And I think Stephanie and I, Stephanie and I appeal to all parts of the state. There's no question that I believe I am the Democrat. This is the Democrat ticket that will run well in uh, in the eastern and western parts of the state, but I think we'll run well in urban parts of the state as well.
0: Your long service in the legislature could potentially cut both ways, and obviously uh, Governor Bevan is signaling right away that he's going to say you were there when uh, some of the problems occurred <coughs> with the pensions and so forth. Uh, how will you push back on that?
1: Well, I can tell you that uh, uh, I'm proud of my public service, first of all. I'm I'm proud of what we've been able to accomplish in many of the different uh, initiatives, many of the different proposals that I've been a part of to try to help Kentucky be a better place. Uh, I can tell you as far as the pension issue goes, in 2013, coming out of two crashes of the stock market, coming out of the uh, most severe recession that you and I have been through, the Great Recession uh, in our lifetimes, that in 2013, while we still were in the majority in the House, the Senate was controlled by Republicans, Uh, we made major reforms to the pension systems to try to get them back on their feet. And I can tell you, Bill, those reforms that we made, that we said we would fully fund the ARC, put a pension oversight board in place and do a $3 million audit those reforms are working and i can tell you they're working because of the returns that have been made on investments since those reforms were made the majority leader in the senate stood on the senate floor a republican with that bill the day we passed it and said this is the pension reform bill that will save pu- public pensions for generations to come would it have been fixed well by that he- here's what i'm saying that thir- the thirteen reforms are still in place and they're working if you look at the numbers of returns on investments Kentucky retirement system year before last from their investments returns back to that system earned over 700 million dollars last year the Kentucky retirement system from its investments earned 1.4 billion dollars Kentucky teacher retirement from their investments year before last grew 15.5 percent last year from their investments return was 18.4 percent so what I'm saying is the retirement systems and the, and the pensions themselves don't recover overnight from the downturns in these, these economies. What we're committed to moving forward is keeping in place the 2013 reforms because numbers don't lie, and we're seeing those returns on investments. But here's the deal. We're committed to continuing the full funding of the arc as we move forward into future budget cycles. You both are very busy otherwise. You're uh, in a leadership
0: position in the House. You'll be going into a session. Uh, You have a a Mm -hmm. business and a public office that you hold in Louisville. What kind of tempo do you expect uh, in this campaign as you get into those weeks (laughs) and months uh, leading up to this May primary? You
2: have to ask that, (laughs) Phil. I think uh, Rocky is one of the hardest working individuals that I have ever met, and so I expect nothing less. I'm a former swim coach, and and you know, we get up early. We do twice a day, and we go to school or work. So it's that kind of work ethic. We're working people. We're normal working people, and we're used to juggling a lot, and that's what people do. That's what normal people in Kentucky do, and that's really who we are.
0: Representative Adkins, as we close out, you, uh, by holding off to make this announcement, uh, Andy Bashir got about a $700,000 head start (laughs) in fundraising. Uh, Do you first have to go and uh, try to make up that gap?
1: Well, there's no question that uh, we have to raise money, and we're going to be aggressively raising money across Kentucky. We got started last night. Matter of fact, after our rollout, we went straight to a reception where we started raising money immediately, but... uh, you know, I've been very vocal about what uh, Andy Bashir did. He raised money uh, for a race uh, next year and took money away from our candidates this year. And I think it hurt our candidates. And I think that's wrong, and I think it's self-centered. I'm an old point guard, Bill. I've got a point guard mentality. I look in the mirror every morning, and uh, I see we. I don't see me. I think you make your team better when you help each other. Point guards make everybody else better. And if you make your team better, you make yourself better. I think what Andy Bashir done on raising money for a race next year when we had all these races on the ballot this year was really wrong. He shouldn't have done it. And I think it was the difference in some of these races across Kentucky. But Thank we you. will catch up in this fundraising. We're going to be aggressively raising money as we move forward. Thanks for coming. We Thank you very much. You. Appreciate yes. it. Thank and you.
0: coming next on Kentucky Newsmakers, the mayor-elect of Richmond, Robert Blythe, will be joining us. Stay with us for that. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. Over the years, Robert Blythe has worn lots of hats in Richmond. He's been a lifelong resident there, salesman, professor, minister, city commissioner, and now he's soon to be mayor of Kentucky's seventh largest city and the home of Eastern Kentucky University. Dr. Blythe has said he didn't set out to make history, but he knows he has. He's expressed gratitude for the support he got from all over the city of Richmond, and we welcome Mayor-elect Blythe to Kentucky Newsmakers. Thanks Good, for thank being here. Thank
3: you very much for the opportunity.
0: Well, it has been Uh, a lifetime, as we said, in Richmond. Uh, How do you see this opportunity to serve as mayor?
3: It really is, for me, a culmination of a lot of things. You mentioned a list of uh, positions and occupations and opportunities that I've had. And this, I believe, is a culmination. I I say this with a smile, with no intent to uh, offend anyone, but my congregation has just grown to 34,000. I want to be a man of integrity. I am who I am. I am a Baptist preacher, minister, pastor, and I have always wanted to treat people right. So I will continue using uh, this mechanism of city government to continue to treat people right.
0: When there have been controversial issues during your tenure on the commission, which is a long one, uh, you've often been considered a a peacemaker on the city commission. Does the office of mayor uh, give you an opportunity to extend that
3: role I think it does. We have a, uh, well, pretty much uh, about 80% uh, new commission. And uh, I'm looking forward to the opportunity, first of all, to meet with all of our new uh, commissioners-elect and to have the opportunity to talk with them about our working together. I foresee that we will be able to do just that. I don't mind disagreement. It's how folks disagree that's going to be important as we move forward. And one of the reasons that that's important to me is because I have committed never to do, at least not intentionally, what would embarrass the city of Richmond, the people of Richmond. That's who we work for. So I'm looking forward to working with this new commission to achieve that.
0: What are your priorities for Richmond?
3: My priorities uh, begin with an issue which seems to be uh, so insignificant, but it's, even from the business community's perspective, quite significant. I want Richmond to be perceived as a clean city. The reason that's important is not only from the standpoint of living in Richmond and wanting to be in a clean city, but business leaders have told me that when the prospective businesses or prospective clients come to them, they want those clients and those prospective business persons to see cleanliness because that is attractive to businesses, also attractive to residents. It's it's going to determine whether some people want to do anything in the city of Richmond. So that cleanliness, and then the second, and equally so, is safety. I want Richmond perceived and actually to be a safe city. All of our communities are dealing with these drug issues, but I want to empower, our police department and other law enforcement agencies with what they need in order to try to attack. We will never win, and you can say you heard me say it, the the war on drugs, but we can say in Richmond, fine, but you won't do that here when it comes to the illegal selling. So those kinds of things uh, certainly affect how others see Richmond, and that's why those two are top of my list.
0: It certainly is a growing city, it is, the, city is still. The, the seventh largest city uh, in Kentucky yes. uh, at this point. Um, do you see that as important that, that growth continue?
3: I, I certainly do. I remember a candidate for mayor several years ago whose uh, platform was, Richmond needs to stop growing. It's getting too big. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, wow, but, but we, have, we are poised, uh, we are a great city. We are a great city. But we're poised to be even greater. I think my election says something about the city of Richmond. Did everyone vote for me? Absolutely not. Lots of folks did not. But I appreciate those who did because that, I believe, is a progressive move. And Richmond shall continue to grow. That university will continue to grow. And the opportunities that shall be presented, even with the progression of the Bluegrass Army Depot's chemical weapons destruction project, we will continue to grow.
0: How important is that relationship between the city of Richmond and Eastern
3: Kentucky University? It's crucial. When you talk about 16,000 residents, whether temporary or whatever, that come through that university annually, uh, it's, and, it, and I don't like to see our students and faculty just as uh, resources from which we get money. Uh, I, for example, proposed perhaps in, in a forum, that uh, we would consider other ways to use the students and the faculty of the university in, in bringing about the things we need down at City Hall. I want, and I've already talked with the city manager and others, I want us to begin looking at the possibility of uh, some mentoring opportunities uh, for students who are in politics, political science, government, who may have aspirations to be a part of municipal government someday put them right beside the mayor, put them in the mayor's office, city manager's office as interns or just as student co-ops, but some way that we can use the resource that's there on that campus.
0: How accessible to the public do you plan to be?
3: Very much so, but I'm glad you asked that question because one of the things that was said to me as I stopped by to speak to some folks at Richmond Utilities this morning, I was reminded. And your body can be in one place at one time because that, there really was an event over at the university. I wanted to stop by, didn't find out about it till late. So I said no, you don't want to be late going over to see Bill. But uh, I, I've always tried to be a bit. But I know that it's not it's not humanly possible. The commitment that I make is that if there is a a, a citizen concern, somebody, whether it's me myself or in someone in my behalf will respond to that concern. I've had many complaints in the past few weeks even from citizens who say, I've called City Hall and nobody will talk to me. I've asked so-and-so to take care of a matter. There's been no response. That will not work in this administration. We will make sure somebody, now there is some place you can use students to return phone calls, but, but I want every concern addressed one way or another. The city cannot do everything, but we need to tell folks when we cannot do.
0: You uh, will take office the first of the year?
3: Yes, I, the uh, official inauguration will be December 28, 6 p.m. That's the last uh, business day. Yep. I believe for the year,
0: Mayor Lake Blythe. Thanks for coming. Good luck. Thank you, Bill, for the opportunity to lead Richmond. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Kentucky Newsmakers. We'll see you bright and early this week on WKYT this morning, and we hope you make it a good week ahead.